Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus today. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers on the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. What's, What's going, going on? on? Yes, we are on synchronicities right now. Wonderful. Uh, I hope I leave all of this in afterwards. But uh, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Ready for tomorrow. I'm going to the Bengals game. I am extremely excited. I get to meet a lot of people that I've been waiting to meet for so long now. And it's going to be surreal. A lot of Instagram friends. Yeah, we have been doing this podcast for... About 19 months, about 70 plus episodes, I think, at this point. And for the first time, I can say wholeheartedly, I am very eager to talk Bengals football with you right now. Let's go. Talk Bengals. Like I said earlier, we've done 70 podcasts. And for the first time, I am really eager to talk Bengals football. Yeah, I'll kind of go back to what I was talking about before, before my internet or whatever happened kind of cut off. I mean, I I went into this Pittsburgh Steelers game as a Bengals fan thinking like, pretty much chalking this up as a loss. I mean, this is a a big division rival. Usually at best, we split the the Steelers. We have not split the Steelers since I think 2012, I want to say. It has been very long since that has ever happened. And I mean, I I mean, I kind of just figured that this was a game that you know, you take this loss, you go to Jacksonville, hopefully, or you come home and play Jacksonville, hopefully, or two and two to go to the Green or to play at home against Green Bay at week five. Um, it was a very disappointing Bears loss week two. I, you know, I really had no hope in this game. I, really, I mean, I, I predicted the Bengals to win my podcast just because I want to be optimistic, but I, I really don't think I truly believe that we could. Um, hearing the news about no TJ Watt, no Alex Highsmith, uh, no, um, uh, Deontay Johnson did play somewhat of a factor to me, but I didn't think that would be that big of an impact compared to what I thought it was. Uh, I, I think it was pretty clear from beginning to the end of that game. Cincinnati was just a better team, and that has not happened against the Steelers in so long. It's probably been since 2015 that that's truly happened. And I mean, this is a Cincinnati team that, from top to bottom, on paper doesn't look fantastic, but they have a lot of guys playing elite level right now. It's absolutely insane. Uh, I think this is the first time in the Joe Burrow era. We have not allowed one QB hit in a game. Uh, absolutely fantastic to keep him completely standing up. No QB hits, no sacks at all. I mean, there was one QB hit that ended up being a roughing the passer call, so it didn't get counted technically. But uh, overall, just fantastic job by the, the Bengals offensive line out to hold up, even though it was, of course, a, uh, a defensive line of the Steelers that were just not nearly as there as what they were before. Uh, that was the first time in 75 games the Steelers had not had a sack, which is outra- like outlandish. That is the longest running streak of, of sacks in NFL history. And the Bengals ironically broke it, who have been widely known as some of the worst offensive line groups in the last decade. Um, 
rookie Jackson Carmen started for his first game at right guard, came in, played fantastic. I was really happy with him, especially in the past game. I uh, had a lot of great plays. I was really happy with his play. But let me let me let me point something out real quick. I don't know if a lot of people really know about the Cincinnati Bengals currently have the eighth ranked defense right now in the NFL. Eighth ranked, right? Sixth ranked rushing defense right now. You know who the three running backs they played against? Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Najee Harris. I would say that's three of the most I, I think I, I think in the next couple of years, uh, we're going to be talking about those three guys as three of the top ten running backs. Those three running backs, those three running backs are are three of the twelve top five running backs that you have. Yes, exactly, exactly. That is completely correct. And I mean, Cincinnati held every single one of them to under sixty rushing yards, which is magnificent to think. Now, Najee Harris had fourteen receptions because the Steelers. The only thing the Steelers did that game was throw it to the, the flats to Najee Harris and let him do whatever he can do to break tackles. And he ended up getting a hundred yards, something like that, receiving. But it really didn't end up doing anything because Pittsburgh was driving down to the Bengals' fifty-yard line and stalling out. They, they couldn't get very far. Now Pittsburgh outgained Cincinnati on the on in yards total in this game, but they never really were able to convert it into points. Cincinnati's defense really stayed up straight and played fantastic top to bottom. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi has been one of the best defensive tackles in the league so far. I've been super impressed with his play. Logan Wilson is currently second in the AFC in tackles and is first in the NFL right now in interceptions with three. He has been an absolute playmaker and a dominant force at middle linebacker. They have really found their future at cornerback with Chidobe Awuzie, who's been an absolute lockdown guy for them right now. Jesse Bates, of course, is still down there playing really well. They have Von Bell. Trey Hendrickson currently leads the league in pressures, also has three sacks to go along with that. B.J. Hill, the guy that they traded Billy Price for, has three sacks right now. Everywhere you look at the defense, they have a guy that's been performing well. This is a team that's currently gluing together so well. And I'll be lying if I said I did not expect this to happen at all. was not expecting this one bit. It has been completely shocking to me. Joe Mixon is currently second in the league in rushing uh, t- uh, right now. Uh, we currently have Jamar Chase with four touchdowns already, and he's a rookie. He's on a track to score, I mean, like 18-plus plus touchdowns as a rookie, which is out, out, outstanding. Uh, it's just been everything's working well for, for Cincinnati. And let me say that is not going to stay the same for, for much longer. I doubt it. They have a much tougher schedule down the line. We'll have to see how it, have, how it works out. I was about to say, uh, I, t- I was talking about this on a podcast. They're like, could the Bengals be a sneaky playoff team? They're going to be 3-1 and one after beating the Jaguars. I'm like, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL after this. They have to play the Packers, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, twice against Baltimore, twice against Cleveland. They've just got a gauntlet of a schedule after this but the fact that they aren't one and three or zero and four is a huge victory for the Bengals let me me say there's the last six games of the season the Denver Broncos 4-0 Las Vegas Raiders 4-0 Kansas City Chiefs 1-2 but at the time of playing they're gonna be like 13 wins okay Kansas City come on it's it's Kansas Kansas City City. (laughs) the LA chart they play the entire NFC AFC West in the last or last six games of the season, pretty much. So, I mean, and those are, I mean, LA just beat Kansas City, so we know they're legit. Kansas City's last in the division, but we know they're legit. And the Denver Broncos and Las Vegas Raiders, who we both kind of chalked up as the bottom beaters of the AFC West, are now the leaders right now. So you play the entire AFC West, plus you travel to Cleveland and play Baltimore in a six-game stretch at the end of the season. I mean, that is just insane. I think the game before that, they played the 49ers, too. So it's seven straight games of just, I mean, absolute... I mean, uh, they play the Avengers, basically. It's, it's basically the Avengers. Like, I'm not even joking. Um, luckily, Cincinnati has a stretch right now where they can win and be, be off to a really hot, hot start. They play – this week, of course, they play the Jaguars. That's, that's tomorrow. 
The next week they play Green Bay, which is a big game. I don't think they win it, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a game that they can go out and, and at least try. Uh, after that, I believe they play, I want to say, the, no, hold on. Uh, yeah, I, I think they play the Jets the next week, which is, it should be a win, right? Uh, and then they play at home against Baltimore, and then they play Detroit. So you would assume and hope the Bengals beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Jets, Detroit Lions. You probably assume they lose to Green Bay and Baltimore. But that's a 5-3 and three start for a football team I think a lot of people thought would mid five games max, right? I mean, that's just extremely impressive. And it's very likely the Bengals might be at the top of the AFC North after eight, week eight, which is insane to think about. Oh my gosh. Talk about the pass rush a little bit more. I, <laughs> gosh, I'm like, I'm like stroking you right now. Like talk about the pass rush for the Bengals, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. My goodness. They've been fantastic this year. And, and um, the Bengals kind of entered into the season with, I mean, the only thing they had as a pass rusher last year was Carl Lawson at edge, right? Like he was a guy that was, I believe, I believe he led the league in pressures. He was fantastic. He only had five and a half sacks last year, but he was the only pass rusher on the team. They, they also no had like six games of Dunlap, like six games of yeah. Carlos Dunlap. But yeah, for the most part, just Lawson. Right. And, and Dunlap was a backup for us at that time. We, we were still starting Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard had a terrible year last year, just completely flopped all around. And I mean, to be honest, our, our starting nose tackle DJ Reader was out. That was a guy that we played. We paid a lot of money to be a prime starter for this team. And he tore his ACL was out for the season after week two. And after that, you have a very unhealthy Geno Atkins only played like four games that year at three tech. You had Mike Daniels, Christian Covington, a bunch of nobodies, pretty much just a bunch of waiver guys that were brought in to do absolutely the bare minimum pretty much. And I believe between those guys, uh, they only had three total pressures, two coming from Adkins, one year season, right? It is week three right now. And this team has nine sacks. That is, that, I mean, they're, they're already on track to, 12 sacks total in last year's season. They had 12 sacks total last year. They already have nine after week three. They added Trey Hendrickson, paid him a lot of money. They lost Carl Lawson. Trey Hendrickson was second in the league in sacks last year. was fantastic. 15 and a half sacks. He comes to Cincinnati, continues that exact same production. I think a lot of people doubted it. A lot of people thought that, hey, no Cam Jordan. It could be a struggle for him. But they have found other pass rushers to allow Trey Hendrickson to get these one-on-ones. He's drawing holds every single play and already has three sacks and 19 total pressures so far, which is insane. Lead the league right now, like I said. Sam Hubbard has came in, has done far better. I think last year he had a second and a half, I think, at most. Uh, I think this year he already has that same record or that same amount, a second and a half right now. I think he has double the pressure as what he had through the most part of last year. I mean, he has been, been playing out of his mind, a great run stopper. Uh, you look at DJ Reader, you look at DJ Hill, you look at Larry Ogunjobi, Josh Tupal, but to those four guys, I think they've already tripled the amount of pressures the interior had last year in three total games. It is unreal how much improved this defensive line is right now. And I will say, granted, the Minnesota Vikings do not have a great offensive line. The Chicago Bears do not have a great offensive line. The Pittsburgh Steelers do not have a great offensive line. But guess what? Neither do the Jaguars. And this is going to be a game where I think we see another dominant performance from the defensive line. Just let's take a breath real quick here because I'm petrified that you're going to pass out <laughs> where you are because it's so much, so, so much excitement in your voice. I hope people aren't listening on two times speed because it's going to be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, let's just, whew. it's been, it's been me... a great three weeks. It's been a great three weeks for the Bengals. And yes, yes. I, I want to talk, I, I am content to do an entire podcast on the Bengals because 
They are the Thursday night game. If ever a time to talk about the Bengals, this is the time during the year. Well, let me, let me go ahead and say as well, the Bengals added uh, a lot of rookies in the, in the class as well. Tyler Shelvin, the defensive tackle, hasn't really got a chance to play yet. Cam Sample had a sack last uh, last week, but he's still a fourth-round pick. He's kind of sitting in the back right now. Uh, they have an undrafted free agent, Darius Hodge, who really impressed and did really, really well in preseason. And they also have Joseph Osai, the third-round pick, who uh, in his first snap in preseason beat Tristan Wirfs and sacked Tom Brady. But he hasn't played at all because he's out for the season. So this is still a team at defensive line that's not even at their full power right now, which is crazy to think. But I won't overreact. I want to make that clear. I won't overreact. It is very likely the Bengals go five and three and end up finishing the season seven and ten. It would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, the the, the schedule is a total gauntlet. But again, that's still a victory for you guys, considering that Zach Taylor was like the favorite to get fired first at the start of the season, and now. I mean, like, assuming they beat the Jaguars, which I feel pretty good about that one, but assuming they beat the Jaguars and get to three and one, and then you have the Jets and the, the, the Lions coming up, it means that you guys are no longer in that bottom feeder tier of the NFL. And you know what? That's a sign that you guys have been hitting on some draft picks and, you know, making good free agent signings here and there like Hendrickson. But the fact that you guys aren't bottom feeders anymore is a victory. You guys have gone through the losing and now you get some kind of success to be happy about. And, and, and also, you know, Cincinnati has not had their, technically their cornerback one at all throughout these three games. Trey Waynes, the guy that they paid outrageous money for, has not played a snap in a Bengals uniform and he was signed in 2019, 2020 pretty much. Uh, so you're, you're going to see, uh, finally, the Bengals cornerback one come in and play on Thursday. I'm really interested to see how Wayne plays. I hope he plays out of his mind. Uh, the Bengals will not have Jesse Bates, no Chidabay Awuzie, no T. Higgins for the game on Thursday. So it could be a bit of a struggle for Cincinnati because they have three of their you know, 10 best players who will be out for this game. So I will watch that and see if that could be a big loss for him because you know, Jesse Bates is probably the best player on the team right now, and he is currently hurt. So – um, you know, Chidobe Wuzier, I believe, is doubtful. Uh, Higgins and, and Bates are both out. But I do expect the Cincinnati team to still be really ball. And this is the 28th-ranked defense, Jacksonville defense right now. They just traded away their biggest, I would say, asset in the secondary, C.J. Henderson, for absolutely nothing. And if you want to talk about that later, we can. But, let's talk um, about Dan Arnold, huh? Let's, let's, say, <laughs> let's have a – I'm ready to start a conversation about Dan Arnold, which unfortunately the – Darnold to Darnold connection. That was a meme that somehow got 11,000 likes on Instagram. The Darnold to Darnold connection didn't last very long in Carolina, but I was stunned they didn't get a second round pick for him in that trade. But even still, not we let's talk Bengals first. We'll get to other stuff. We got Bengals right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but regardless, I think this is a game that's natty. They are big favorites in Vegas right now, seven and a half point favorites, which I have not seen in years. I mean, it's been since 2015, 2016, like I said. When is the last time you've seen the Bengals a seven and a half point favorite? I can't remember. I've ever never, seen that. I've never, I've never seen the Bengals a seven and a half point favorite because I've only been looking at gambling lines since 2018. So I've literally never yeah, seen yeah. the Bengals that heavy a favorite. All right. All right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, Cincinnati has just been out, outstanding so far. I, I, I was talking on the podcast uh, that I'm going to be dropping tonight. Um, Cincinnati has, I mean, three or four guys up for awards already. Jamar Chase is a pretty clear favorite right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Feel free to disagree. I don't think it's really close right now. None of the quarterbacks have done anything. To me, Najee Harris might be the closest opponent, but I think Jamar Chase yes, is only because touchdowns. only because every quarterback at this point has played poorly to start his career. Yeah, um, 
I love the stat that rookie quarterbacks right now are one and nine. Well, if you count Davis Mills, one and 10 as starters, and the only win was Mac Jones against Zach Wilson, which is a head to head matchup. So not great for the rookie quarterbacks. And Jamar Chase had another fun stat. Jamar Chase has four receiving touchdowns and the entire 2021 rookie class has seven receiving touchdowns. Crazy. I mean, he has been insane. Uh, so I think he's definitely going to be up there for that. I think both and Joe Burrow are in talks right now for comeback player of the year. I think Dak Prescott's probably the favorite. But I think you, after that, you look at guys you think of probably Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow as, as that next tier of guys that could be contending for that award right now. Mixon, like I said, is second in the league in rushing yards right now. He has been fantastic. He didn't do much last year. Joe Burrow has come in and has been probably one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. He had a 90 point. One great on PFF last game. Had, I think he had a 123.6 uh, QBR. I mean, he has been unreal and super efficient, even though he's only throwing 18, 19 passes a game because he doesn't need to throw 30 and 40 like he did last year. Now they finally have a run game. So you have those two guys playing really, really well going for breakout player of the year. And let me say this and, and hold your breath because it's definitely not exactly the case, but Cincinnati's linebacker, Logan Wilson, has been probably the most improved player I have seen so far this year out of any NFL player. And I don't want to overreact. If I'm a Bengals fan, feel a lot of great players that have improved so far. But Logan Wilson was a rookie last year that PFF just absolutely hated. Give him like a 40 grade. Had moments, but was a backup. Came in uh, as a starter this year, the, the middle linebacker that got, wore the radioactive helmet. And in three games, three interceptions – and I believe he has over 28 tackles. I think it's something around that. He had 14 in the game against Pittsburgh in week three. And the dude's been playing out of his mind. Like I said, second in tackles in the AFC. First overall, Tyler Trayvon Diggs for interceptions as a linebacker. I mean, we're talking about Darius Leonard-type production right now. And he might be a dark horse contender for AFC Defensive Player of the Year. Now, Miles Garrett right now is winning that award. I'm not going to argue that at all. But – Logan Wilson's probably going to be right there in that conversation. Yeah, I, I will just say, I will say right now, a, a person named Logan Wilson is not allowed to win Defensive Player of the Year. Nothing to do with his skill set or anything. If your name is Logan Wilson, you're not allowed to win Defensive Player of the Year. But you are correct. He's been great this year. And the only other name I could think of on the spot to challenge you with is Mike Williams. But even that's just because it's off the top of my head and stuff. Like, Logan Wilson has been probably the highest-rated middle linebacker in the NFL this year. It's like that uh, that Garrett Bowles turnaround where he went from Garrett Bowles was the most penalized offensive tackle to the least penalized offensive tackle year over year. It's kind of what's happening with Logan Wilson. Yeah. I mean, he's been insane, and I'm just really impressed with how this team's playing. I'm really interested to see at this injured Bengals team we can hang Jacksonville at home. This is a big test for them, even though Jacksonville's because let's 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 talk about this. Jacksonville has looked better week after week. They have looked bad, but they're getting better. They went from being blown out week one by the Texans to you know kind of being blown out. They kind of stayed in the game for a little bit with the Broncos to actually playing a really close game up until the end against Arizona. There for a long time, they were winning the game. Is Arizona, so they have t- they have slowly but surely taken steps up, and this is an easier opponent than what Denver and Arizona is for Jacksonville. This is a game that I think Jacksonville fans think that they can win, and honestly, they probably can. If Trevor Lawrence is able to deep ball a lot to Marvin Jones, DJ Shark, that could be a problem because Bengals don't have Jesse Bates to come and break it up. They're going to have to be playing. Um, here's a name that you might not remember: former Pittsburgh Steelers safety Sean Davis is probably going to get the start of free safety for this team. Uh, a guy. That- <laughs> Oh, I forgot about him. That's a great name. That's a great pull of a name. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Play with Mike Mitchell. Uh, 
couple of good playoff Steelers teams, but he will probably get to start at free safety for this team. He's going to be a big-time player in helping stop the deep passes, and I'm really looking towards him to see how well he can play on Thursday. But I trust Cincinnati to create pressure. I trust him to stop the run like they have done the last couple of years, last couple of weeks. I'm really interested to see how the Jaguars attack either the deep pass or the flats. I think those are the two places they have to attack this week, Cincinnati team, because at corner and at safety they are injured. And if they're successful, they're going to have to find a way to either push the ball deep and force Sean Davis to make a play or challenge guys like Eli Apple and a guy like Trey Wayne that is playing in his first game since 2019 to make a play on the ball uh, and a throw to the flats. So I think those are two places I think Jacksonville has to take advantage of right now. But I, I really think Cincinnati's defense is just going to have way too much firepower right now to do uh, or to be able to put up points against this Jacksonville defense because Jacksonville's defense has looked absolutely terrible through three weeks. Well, since we're talking about the the Jaguars now, we can bring C.J. Henderson back in here. We can bring James Robinson talk in. I'd like to talk about the flea flicker that went for a pick six because <laughs> Daryl Bevel. I, I, I could I could make I could see the argument of Urban Meyer being one and done, but at the bare minimum, Daryl Bevel is going to be one and done, and he will. This is his last stop as being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I don't know why we keep doing this with Daryl Bevel. Everyone that he every place he has ever been, he has been run out because his offenses are so bad. And now it's the same thing in Jacksonville and he has a terrible play caller and it's boring and it's archaic and it's Trevor Lawrence taking too many risks and they don't have the offensive line to run it. Why do we still do this with Daryl Bevel? Why are you calling flea flickers when the Cardinals have amazing pass rush so that Trevor Lawrence has to just scramble and just fire away and get throw a pick six. It's just uh, it's Jacksonville. That had, I mean, between that play, the screenplay, and the end zone against uh, what was that? What was the game? Was it Dolphins? That was Raiders, the Dolphins that right? game. That yeah, yeah, that that was an amazing stat. That has never in in seventy years of keeping stats, there has never been a pass play that resulted in a safety ever. That a, a wow. pass completed that resulted in a safety. It has never happened before. That's how dumb that play call was. Between those two plays and the Najee Harris fourth down and ten, uh, basically flats pass like screen pass, pretty much. Yeah, those I couldn't three believe that worst... when I was watching it. <laughs> those have been the three worst play calls in one week I've seen in football probably ever. Like those are the three. Like I mean, like you talk about three like head scratching calls. All three of them happened in the in the span of an hour, pretty much. Like yeah, it was like it, what in the world crazy. is going on? No, we were texting about that off air on Sunday. Like Big Ben. Big Ben has gotten so used to the check down at this point that he just instinctively throws it as his safety blanket is Najee Harris getting the ball. And the amazing stat there is that Najee Harris averages 1.2 yards before first contact through three games, 1.2 yards before he makes his first contact. So he's just breaking tackles left and right at this point to try and gain yards. But like we we were just talking about it, like it's unbelievable that you would check down fourth and ten inside your own goal line, and it wasn't even a design screen either. It was just someone missed a block, and Big Ben's like, "Oh, let's just check down to Najee real quick." Yeah, I mean, it, it's it was ridiculous. I, I honestly, if you ask me which of those three plays were worse, I really don't know because they were all terrible play calls. I, I think for one, the flea flicker was an idea that like, hey, it's worked in the past. It out, but like you said, with this Jackson 
offensive line and the fact that you're going against Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. I mean, like, what, what was the thought process in being able to stop the defense offensive line, excuse me, the defensive line for two seconds at all? It's just not happening. And the moment Trevor Lawrence saw pass rushers in his face, he was like, I'm just going to throw it up and give it to a guy. Byron Murphy was just sitting there waiting on it like a, like a sitting <laughs> duck. I mean, he just popped right in front of it and took the ball, basically returned it to the end zone instantly. I mean, it was so easy for Byron Murphy. And he's been playing really well this year overall. He's definitely been another really improved player. Uh, but, I mean, that was just terrible decision-making, terrible play call all around. The Dolphins play – I, I really just don't understand why you even even like considering the fact that you want to gain some yards. What makes you think you would want to run a screenplay with no one blocking for you on the outside, right? Like you're just asking for a safety. Like there's there's no way in which that could work at all. But also, Jalen Waddle's just a deep threat guy. Like he's supposed to get break off the line of scrimmage. Like that's not how you should be using Jalen Waddle. Is using him like Jarvis Landry, where Jalen Waddle had. I think it's true. I think he had 12 catches for 54 yards. I think that's a real thing that happened this weekend. He had 12 catches and averaged like 4.4 yards per catch, which is just, it's unbelievable how little they use Jalen Waddle. I also love that you're talking about the flea flicker and you called the Jaguars wide receiver a guy, which I think is fitting at this point. Who plays wide receiver for the Jaguars? Three guys. You know, they're all wide receiver twos. You know, it's, it's a guy. I want to... I want to say it was a tight end O'Shaughnessy. I could be wrong, but I think that's who it was. But it's I mean, a guy. Yeah. Literally just and, a guy. Yeah, could be could be Marvin Jones, could be DJ Chart, could be Chenault. They're just guys. They're all wide receiver twos at this point. They're just guys. I mean, I, I, I don't I, I don't really like I mean those three guys are all solid, right? I don't really look at one and kind of circle them around like that's a guy that can be a mismatch, right? And I think ironically, yeah. Cincinnati has three of those guys between Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. I think those are all could be guys be like, that's a guy to worry about. But I don't really think you can now that I say this, they're gonna go off and have insane games, but I really don't see any of these three guys as being a guy that you absolutely have to just worry about. I think DJ Shark's probably the best option they got right now. And even then, I feel like if you have a all right cornerback one down if need be. Yeah, Marvin Jones, we know what Marvin Jones is at this point. We we know what Marvin Jones is as a player. DJ, I mean, you've probably heard me joke about DJ Chark before because him and Devontae Parker, I keep saying the sooner you admit they're wide receiver twos, the better off your team is going to be. And the, yep. the Dolphins kind of did that by drafting Jalen Waddle. So maybe the Jaguars need to do that. But in terms of the rebuild, I don't think the Jaguars are in a position where they can be drafting wide receivers at this point. They kind of need to draft those other more important positions before they like do the Gettleman thing and just waste a pick on Kadarius Toney. They, they need to build in the trenches first and foremost. And they did that somewhat on the defensive line. They got Josh Allen. They got Caleb on Chase on. They got uh, – Oh, but Chason's bad though. Like Chason is but, but they, they attempted. bad. They attempted yeah. to get those guys right. Like I mean, yeah, Ch- like Josh Chason. Allen at least is really good. Like Josh Allen is is very good. I'd say I'm not going to say he's like a Pro Bowler, but he's a very good linebacker. They'll probably give him a contract extension. Like you're right. They tried with Henderson. They tried with Chason. They had a plan. Just both of them are just. I mean Henderson. I just feel like I never watched him play. Chase on, I watched him play. I'm like, oh, that dude's bad. Like, he's he's just a bust at this point. Yeah, and, and Chase on was kind of a guy that whenever I scouted him, I kind of said, like, he has a lot of bust potential because you're only banking on this guy at best to be an elite third-down pass rusher, right? And 
times thinking you're not really getting enough in the run game to make this worth it because he's not going to be on the field at all times. So I definitely thought that he could be effective. He could be really good if he's an elite third-round pass rusher. But if that's the only thing you're getting for a first-round pick, is it worth it? Not at all. And even then, he hasn't been good. He's not been a great pass rusher. So yeah, it's just we have we have the files we can go back to. We can find your analysis on Chase on somewhere in the archives. But one of those old mock drafts from 2020, we probably talked about Chase on somewhere in there. But yeah, it that one didn't work out. Or they they have um who did they took a, a safety right in the second round this year? I think Trayvon Merrick. No, no, no. Merrick. He's a Raider, right? In the Syracuse. Yeah. 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 Merrick's for, uh, yeah, Merrick's for the Raiders. The Raiders, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, no, the Jaguars. They got Andre Cisco. Sorry. Yeah, like you said, Jaguars need offensive and defensive line more than anything else at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I I think their first priority this year, if they continue to be on the the track they're at, they're probably going to be a top five pick, I would say. Uh, Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama, has to be that guy right now uh, early on that you just have to see go to the Jagu- Jaguars if they are uh, if they're having another top five pick. For one, Urban Meyer needs to be fired. Derek Bevel needs to be fired. I mean, they just need to completely reset at coaching again because it was terrible. It's been terrible. But I, I definitely think Evan Neal uh, is a great starter piece to go with because – for one, they, they really screwed up in the beginning of this season, franchise tagging Cam Robinson, who's been an average offensive tackle at best, right? You're paying an average offensive tackle unreal money to be a average offensive tackle, right? Like, you're, you could get that easily from a Riley Reef the Bengals are paying right now. I think, you, I think they're very similar in talent. And you're paying one $13 million more million than the other. So it's an obvious gap in, in pay to actual value, right? And, and I think that's the first part really kind of neglect the offensive line. They lose Andrew Norwell, I believe, this year as well. So uh, he's a very, very young and unexperienced and just not very good offensive line. It's really kind of screwed Trevor Lawrence. He's forced to make plays on his feet and make risky throws, and has really forced him to have seven interceptions already this season, which is, I believe, the highest in the league right now. What do we chalk up the rookie class thing to? Do we just chalk it up to them being on bad teams? Like, you could make the argument that the Bears, the Jets, and the Jaguars – might be the three worst rosters in the NFL. And Mac Jones has just looked like a game manager at this point. I I know he had like a 55 QBR last week, but even I'm not going to be the person to take a victory lap on that one because it wasn't all his fault. But Mac Jones plays for a bottom 10 offense. The other three play for maybe the three worst offenses in the NFL. So is that what we just chalk it up to, is just that all the teams they got drafted to are terrible? Well, yeah, I kind of go going play by player. I, I feel like for just like that, you know, Matt Nagy's just not working with this Bears offense. It's just not – there's no cohesion there. It's not working at all. You have Jason Peters as your starting left tackle. That should, t- that should tell you all you need to know. Well, he was getting roasted on the internet. Jason Peters right. was getting roasted on the internet for how he was guarded guarding Miles Garrett. <sighs> It was terrible. And even when he wasn't guarding Miles Garrett, I believe he guarded Tyke McKinley in a sack. I think he, you know, Javon Clowney also had two sacks. I mean, there was no one that he could line up against that he was stopping. It just was not happening at all. It was terrible. I mean, did, did you, you see you, the stat? There was oh, a, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead uh, first. Sorry. I'll ask you afterwards. Did you see the stat where the Bears had one total yard on passing plays? There's so many fun stats from that game, but that was one of my favorites. If you take out the sacks, they finish with 48 yards of offense, which if you started at the 25-yard line, 
you would get and, and moved 48 yards, you would get a 42 yard field goal. <laughs> they had a 42 yards field goals worth of offense. Um, Justin Fields was sacked nine times and completed five passes. That's a real stat that exists. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stats from that game and everything failing them. The question I was going to ask is, did, didn't you give the Tevin Jenkins pick an A coming out of the draft? Yep. He obviously tore his knee, but that was an A pick for you, right? Yeah, I love the pick. And honestly, I, I wanted him at 38 to the Bengals over Jackson Carmen. I, I would have much preferred Tevin Jenkins. And I, I was a vocal on that. I had a first round grade on him. He was fantastic. The one issue I had with Tevin Jenkins was his off the field problems right now. And I have heard that it's playing a big factor in the reason why the Bears are not playing him right now uh, is due to the off the field issues. I'm not sure the exact details of it. Really Wait, I, I thought he had a I thought he tore his knee. I thought his season ended because he tore his knee. Yes, but I believe that he was not in line to start anyways due to that, uh, due to the off-the-field issues. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think he's also – did he tear his knee? I thought – I don't know if it was as what is bad it? as that. Injured reserve. Oh, back surgery. Sorry, wrong injury. He, he was yeah. back surgery. I'm, th- I'm still thinking of – what's his name? Uh, the, guy, the guy for the Bengals who's now on the Jets. But, yeah, uh, uh, Tevin Jenkins. Yeah. yeah, Tevin Jenkins is a back injury. But uh, I think his season is yeah. over. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. But I, I was also told that like one big issue for Tevin Jenkins was certainly his his off the field problems. Uh, he never really had a lot of injuries back in college, but there definitely was some off the field issues that had to be discussed. And I think that was the biggest reason why he dropped in the draft. And even then, I think the Bears had already started looking for offensive tackles. I believe after they drafted Tevin Jenkins as well, so they were already kind of aware that they need to find someone else just in case, or possibly to start over Jenkins. So I kind of I kind of feel like to me my analysis might be a little wrong. I thought that he could be a, a plug and play starter if need be, but it kind of feels like the Bears were preparing to have him be a kind of a, a development guy in the back that could sit as a backup for a while and eventually take over as a starter for the future. And I did not expect that. So yes, I, I still think he's a great player. If he can play, he was probably the most aggressive offensive lineman in the draft last year. But I mean, right now, I think, you know, it, we have to see how he works with off the field and how he is able to return to the, with it after this injury to see how he performs. All right, let's bring it back to the Bengals. Cause if not, if not now, then when on the Bengals talk, um, <laughs> You and I are both, you know, pro not paying the running back. But not only is Joe Mixon turning it around, I don't think Joe Mixon has ever played this well in his career other than as good as he's played in the first three weeks of the season, which there are exceptions that prove the rule, and Joe Mixon might not keep this up for the entire season, which is entirely possible. But it's just so weird to see Joe Mixon just dominating NFL defenses in the first three weeks. And like you said, only behind Derrick Henry in rushing yards. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is wild. And honestly, I didn't expect it either. I was I was really shocked. And I really think that a big part of this is just the improvements of the offensive line. And and this is something that's been kind of no one, no one has really talked about, but the Bengals have two offensive tackles that have been legit so far this year. Jonah Williams is having the best year of his career by far. Uh, he has looked fantastic. I believe he has not allowed a pressure yet. I was unreal uh, for, for a left tackle. For Jonah Williams, not allowed a pressure. That is fantastic. Riley Reef has been really good as well. He struggled a little bit with Quill Mack against the Bears, but had had a really good game against Pittsburgh and a really good game against the Vikings that I was really impressed with. Uh, he didn't know – I don't think he allowed a pressure in the last two games. Um he has been great so far. Quentin Spain at right guard has probably been another one of the most improved players in the Bengals. Uh, he went from being a guy that the Bengals kind of just plugged and employed last year as a guy that they just signed off the street. 
uh, to be hopefully a, a fill-in player for the team. He has now become the full-time right guard, and he has been fantastic at that job. He looks great just overall. I, I want to say he has also not allowed one pressure, and he has been great, just top to the bottom, a great run stopper for this team, or excuse me, run blocker for this team. He's they have really attacked that that side of, of Quentin Spain with Joe Mixon, and it has really worked on the on interior rushes. He's, just, he's opened up a lot of holes. Uh, they have Trey Hopkins, who has not been fantastic. He's a solid uh, center uh, at best, I would say, right now. And then between Jackson Carmen and Xavier Suafilo, both of them kind of added uh, their own little flavors. Xavier Suafilo is a guy that can really push out to the outside, allow Joe Mixon to get those outside runs. He's great at pulling and being able to take linebackers, cornerbacks out of the play and let Joe Mixon get extra yards on the outside. Jackson Carmen's more of a power guy on the inside, kind of like how Quentin Spain is. He's really good at opening up holes. And Joe Mixon has found those tiniest creases and has hit them immediately. I think it's the first time in several years we've seen a fully healthy Joe Mixon with a solid, not great, but solid offensive line. And you can tell how good he is with this line right now by the way he's playing. 290-something yards right now. Had a was unreal in, in all the games against the, the team so far. I forgot that we were going to talk about rookie quarterbacks before going back to the Bengals. So to recircle back the other way, I think we were going to talk about Zach Wilson before laughing at the, yeah. the Chicago Bears. So let's recircle all the way back around here because we did talk about the Bears and why the Bears have failed Justin Fields, which I talked about on another podcast. I was like, this is a win-win situation for me because either Justin Fields gets to be special and I get to say, I tried to tell you, I was right, tried to warn everyone you're making a mistake, or he ends up being a bust and I can laugh at the Chicago Bears. So at this point, it's a win-win situation for me. It's either I get to make Bears fans feel sad or Justin Fields gets to be really good. But Zach Wilson, I don't know what to do with the Jets at all because the Jets obviously are terrible. They're trying to get another top pick this year. Um, I, I just don't know what to do with Zach Wilson's development or what the Jets are going to be in 2022 or 2023. I'm worried, to say the least. This is definitely a Jets problem because entering this draft, I said myself, you can probably listen to a podcast in here, Zach Wilson is probably the most pro-ready quarterback right now in terms of I think this is, he's probably the guy I can, I can see starting off the quickest. And you can make a very, very good argument that he's probably been the quite the opposite, probably the – Slowest quarterback to jump off the gate. And you can't just blame that on him. There's been a lot of drops from his wide receivers. A lot of drops. Corey Davis has not been good. Uh, you are not really seeing a lot of these other guys really perform really well. I don't know why, but their second-round pick from a couple of years ago, Denzel Mims, who I named up a lot through the draft process. I loved a lot. Has hardly played for the team so far this year. I don't know why. Um, and you really – more or any of these other guys to really give you – you know, the thought process of, oh, he, he has a reliable target. He literally doesn't really have anyone reliable to go towards. They just lost their best offensive lineman, Kai Becton, for the entire season. He's a terrible offensive line. It is a Jets problem. And if Zach Wilson does not pan out there, I am very worried. This might be the new Cleveland Browns where they're just finding quarterback after quarterback and it's not paying out. And they're getting rid of them for easy picks because, or, or for, for absolutely nothing, for low picks. Because, uh, you know, Zach Wilson has – starting quarterback written all over him if you look at his college tape if you, if you see how capable he is when it comes to accuracy decision making he has a lot of assets you love but even then you can't really do anything when you don't have anyone to pass it to or and you don't have anyone to block for you it's it's been terrible they really have no assets right now the jets are roster wise the worst team in the nfl I we already have a new Cleveland. It's called Washington. Washington has had 30 quarterbacks in 30 years. It's really unbelievable how bad Washington but is at picking But they're kind of good. But they're kind of good, though. That's the only problem. Like, they actually are winning. Are so. they? 
Well, I, I mean, they did last year. They did last year. Oh, I so, feel no. I, mean, I feel like they're just going to be exactly the same team as last year. Last year, I think they went what seven and nine. Their only win above a five hundred team was against the Steelers when the Steelers were undefeated. Um, it feels like they're going to be exactly the same team, where they're going to like lose to teams that are better than them, beat some bad teams, and go like seven and ten. It feels like Washington. I said that at the start of the year. I'm like, if there's one team that I feel like is exactly the same as last year, it's Washington, and. Lo and behold, it looks like Washington's about the same, except seven and ten won't win the division this year in the NFC East. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can agree with that, but I definitely think that the uh, I definitely think the defense is definitely a lot better than what the the Browns have ever been. That's that's kind of why I really think is like the um, the difference there between the teams. But you're definitely right. The Washington has found several different quarterbacks throughout, throughout their, their time. But I mean, Sam Darnold, we we could obviously tell now he it was not. Problem. I think it's the same exact case here. I think Zach Wilson is a fine quarterback. I can see him being effective somewhere else. I would have much preferred Zach Wilson to go to Washington, uh, but it's obviously you know true that it's not working out for him either with the Jets right now. And honestly, I can see another scenario like Zach, or like Sam Donald, if they are not good the next two three years, they can do the exact same thing, trade away Zach Wilson, and look for another quarterback in the future of the draft, which is just extremely disappointing for the Jets. I am really worried about their development overall. And, and last but not least, is, is Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, it might, but I think it's pretty obvious that Belichick's trying to hide him. There's a lot of development he still needs to do. He needs to learn his Patriots scheme. He needs to have a Tom Brady mentality. And I think I think Belichick's working on that, so he's not letting him th- throw too many crazy passes until he's able to have that. So I like what Bill Belichick's doing right now with Mac Jones. He's just trying to hide him and make sure he's not screwing over the team in games. So I, I Yeah, just that. a stat, stat real quick there. So the Patriots currently have the 24-ranked offense. Early in the season, small sample size, but they currently have the 24-ranked offense in the NFL. And yep. I think their defense no. is somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. I haven't seen the defensive rankings, but I think they're just behind the Bengals at this point on defense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, yeah, they're just they're just terrible right now. Uh, not, not terrible, <laughs> I mean, sorry, 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 sorry. I was, talking, I, was, I was thinking about the Jaguars, but I meant the Patriots. Sorry, they're not bad, but they're definitely a team that definitely needs to wait a couple of. The offense is terrible. Let's just say that the offense is definitely bad. The Dolphins are terrible. Really? No, I said their defense. Oh, their defense. Sorry, I thought you said the Dolphins are terrible. Oh, okay. No. They're okay. Their, their <laughs> offense. Their offense is terrible. Oh, I'm so confused. I'm sorry. Their offense is terrible. Their defense is fine. Defense looks pretty good. Josh Uchi's been solid. Uh, their their offense. I don't know. I'm I'm struggling with words today. But their offense is just. I mean, it's it's not working right now. They definitely need to. I think they still need to improve on wide receiver. It's obvious that the that the guys they added, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar. That wasn't enough for this team. They need a true wide receiver one. I think they're going to attack it this year in the draft. Uh, they you know I like the offensive line. I think it's pretty solid. I like the running back room they kind of go have going on right now. But it's pretty obvious that they don't trust their wide receivers and Matt Jones to connect enough, and they, that needs to fix the next the next couple of years, which is what I was trying to get at basically. But move over to Jacksonville. That was, that was this was a team I was thinking was horrible. Uh, I mean, just top to bottom roster wise on the offense, it's not terrible. It's not Jets bad, but it's definitely not good either. There's no guy that really shocks you when you look at him on paper, right? It's a bunch of average players at best right now. Um, Simply put for Trevor Lawrence, he's just trying to do too much right now in an offense that is just not going to work for him. Uh, I, I think the, the the Jacksonville Jaguars offense has done a terrible job of, of playing to 
uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's best abilities. They're, they're forcing Trevor Lawrence, a rookie quarterback, to throw deep passes and contested coverage to players, and they're expecting the offensive line to block for long enough to where he doesn't have to roll out of the pocket and make, make a throw on the run, right? And that's just expecting way too much from a guy that is, I mean, right now getting sacked a bunch and also throwing a lot of interceptions. They're obviously putting way too much on him. They need to tone it down a little bit. They need to start creating some more in the short game. I like what they started doing against Arizona, seeing LaVisca Chenault get really involved in, in the flats and the backfield. You saw him a little bit, uh, you know, over in the middle. I really like getting him involved in that kind of space. I think that's where Trevor Lawrence can be at his best right now. And I think over time, once you're able to build up the offensive line, then you could probably worry about throwing the deep passes to Marvin Jones and DJ Shark. But I just think this team was poorly constructed by Urban Meyer, and I really think that he needs to be fired as well as both the coordinators, really, for me to be able to trust them to be anywhere, be going anywhere in the future. So you just want to fumigate the place at this point. Just let's clear everything out, admit we made a mistake, and just like reset next year. Let's just punt on this year and reset everything. Because you can't risk the development of Trevor Lawrence. You just can't. It's it's. I mean, if you do, you're you're because you're not going to have a chance to. Uh, you're not going to have a, a chance to have an open window if Trevor Lawrence is already 27, 28, 29 years old when you're starting to get a, a solid roster again, right? Like you have to get it now. That when it, that way, whenever your roster is at the at their best, so is Lawrence, and you can't risk it. So go ahead and fix it now. Fix your coaching staff. Start building your roster now. Get a better roster around Lawrence and do it as soon as possible. So I think, yes, I think as of right now, unless the Jaguars completely turn it around, which is possible, I doubt it, you need to work. You need to start worrying about finding a new coach and a new scheme, a new offense, a new everything, really, except Trevor Lawrence and the rookie you have. So in the case of Sam Darnold, going back a little bit, at his best, Sam Darnold will be as good as blank right now. Fill in the quarterback there. What could Sam Darnold best be? Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think I, – I think the best thing I could be Sam Darnold being is take like a above-average year for Kirk Cousins plus the guy can run. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that's, what I that's pretty good think actually. Of. That's at his ceiling. Right, like that's his absolute ceiling, and I think the Chargers have done really well building around him. I think that's where he can be at his average. So I would say, like, what was an above average Kirk Cousins year stat line wise? Like, you think like what? Um, Four thousand well, four hundred yards, maybe ish. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins has made a Pro Bowl before, so I guess it would be you know making one Pro Bowl, maybe, maybe making a Pro Bowl. Yeah, but I mean, seems Cousins, to be kind of the Kirk bar. Cousins, the year Kirk Cousins made a Pro Bowl it was like his best year, I would say, though, right? Like I'm saying, I don't yeah, I think that, that I think so that was 2019. Yeah, I think it was 2019 was the year that Kirk Cousins made the Pro Bowl. The year that they were like 10 and six with the Vikings and beat the Saints in the playoffs. I think Kirk Cousins had like 4,200 yards, 24, 25 touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that with like you know 14 interceptions around that area, I think it's probably like where I can see Sam Donald at his absolute best right now. So, you know, I, I think with Sam Donald, for the most part, you're seeing what you're kind of getting from him. But I think you can, he can definitely take some steps up in the future and, and get better as the years go on. And I like how they're building a roster around him right now. I really think he's got a couple of good weapons. And I, I think after Joe Brady kind of leaves, which is I think is pretty obvious he's probably going to next year, uh, you know, you might be able to see a somewhat of a drop-off. But I still think Donald can produce enough to be a pretty solid a player and lead the, the Panthers to have a pretty good couple of games. I think once Tom Brady leads the Buccaneers, uh, it, it's pretty well going to be the Panthers at the top of the NFC South. So I definitely think that they're going to be, um, you know, a, a team in the future that you're going to see in the playoffs. 
Okay, now I want to ask you the question that I've been asking most people to gauge where they are on the Panthers. Can Matt Rule win a single playoff game while he's coach of the Carolina Panthers? Not Actually, let's rephrase it. Will Matt Rule win a single playoff game in his time as head coach of the Panthers? To me, it, it all depends on when Tom Brady retires. Because if, if you're the Panthers and Tom Brady retires, you probably lose a lot of players in the Buccaneers with that. Uh, I think the Panthers can pass the Buccaneers standings-wise. I think they're better than the Saints. I think they're better than the Falcons. You probably have a three or four seed in the playoffs, and you face against an easier team you could probably beat. So I will say if Brady retires in the next two years, yes. Interesting. Because I don't know when the make-or-break time comes for Matt Rule. I mean, this is assuming the Panthers won't make the playoffs this year like they could, but good Lord, the NFC is stacked. So – I like maybe the Panthers make the playoffs this year. I'm just operating under the assumption they probably won't. But even then, like, because the the way I look at it that way is like, if you're a top eight team, that means it's pretty successful run as a coach. If you can be a top eight team at any point, then you've done a pretty successful job as a head coach. So that's kind of the bar that I realize when people are like, I love Matt Rule as a coach. I like to figure out how much do you like Matt Rule as a coach. Like, do you think that he trumps the lack of talent on their team? Or do you think that Matt Rule looks up and he's like, okay, I can work with what I have, but what I have is above average players at this point. Yeah. And, and, and I think honestly, though, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of players on that team that I think can really start to show up in the start of in the future. Brian Burns can be an elite edge rusher at the next level if, if, you know, he's able to continue to take more steps. I am a huge, huge fan of their secondary right now after getting C.J. Henderson. I really think that secondary can be absolutely legit if they are able to glue together perfectly. J.C. Hornier hopefully will get back next year after he suffered that terrible injury. Outside of that, I mean, C.J. Henderson, J.C. Horn, uh, that, is a, that is a team that I can really, really get behind. Uh, they also have that safety, um, uh, uh, Jeremy Chin, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you have A.J. Bouye, Dante Jackson. I mean, that's a very, very good secondary that I'm a huge, huge fan of right now. You have Hassan Reddick, who was unreal a couple of years ago. I think he can be another really solid outside linebacker for your team. Shaq Thompson's really good. Derek Brown's over there. There's a lot of guys in this team I could see reach certain stardom level. And I also really think like they have a very solid offensive line. It's not t- great, but it's not bad. You have the best running back in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. You have some good tight ends, Ian Thomas, Tommy Trimble. I love a lot. Um, and, and you have a very good wide receiver core, Terrace Marshall, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a really good wide receiver core. And just from top to bottom, I, I think that that's a roster that I can really, really get behind star wise. Uh, you know, they're going to have chances. They're going to have money. They're going to have picks to, to really get better. But I think right now, this is a team that I am really impressed with. And I think it can go places. So for our picks this week, I know that you are going to be live in Cincinnati covering the game. So I will give you just right off the bat here, Jaguars and Bengals, seven and a half points. What says you, Blake Jude of Stripe Hype Cincy and Cincinnati Bengals expert? Remember our rule here. You don't have to pick the games, but if you want another game, it has to be either Lions or Falcons. That is our rule. You can pick another game, but if you pick another game, it's going to be Lions or Falcons. Cruel. It's cruel. Uh, I, 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 what was our record last week? Was it three and two? Is that right? Uh, 
I let's see. So you came in four and six, and then you are sitting at seven and eight. So yeah, you went three and two. You're in third place right now. Walter had a rough week, so he went one and four. So he's at six and nine. You're at seven and eight. I'm at eight and seven. And then Cam from DSD is ten three and one right now, or ten four and one. So he is whooping up on all of us right now. But yeah, you you've moved out of the basement into third place now. Well, that's promising. We have to we have, to have another good week this week. Um, uh, I hate to bet against the Bengals. That's my problem. I know it's a problem. I, I think if I wasn't a Bengals fan, I'd probably take the Jags plus seven and a half. But I, it's a big crowd in Cincinnati. It's the Ring of Honor game. They don't have Jesse Bates. They don't have Cheeto Wuzier. They don't have C. Higgins. But I still think Cincinnati is going to cover in this game and, and win by double digits. So give me Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm picking Cincinnati too. So if you go down, I'm going down with you in this one. Who's going in the ring of honor for the Bengals? Yeah, Paul Brown, the uh, of course the owner and the, the guy in the stadium is named after uh, arguably the best offensive lineman of all time, Anthony Munoz. Uh, quarterback Ken Anderson, probably the Bengals' best quarterback of all time. And their star quarterback who just passed away a couple of years ago, Ken Riley, uh, who I believe is third or fourth interceptions in the NFL. Uh, history right now so it's the four so those are people in the ring of honor they're going they're they're being inducted the ring of honor just started it's going to be the ceremony that's why they invited a lot of people and they're they're going to be officially inducted uh, in the game thursday oh so they're just starting the ring of honor that's kind of sad your team's been around for like 60 years how are you just now starting the ring of honor oh no well that was that was a big problem (laughs) and i think if it wasn't for the fans begging for it we might have never had one it was finally announced this year and this is the official game that they're going to do it since it's prime time i think they're wanting to get a big crowd it's a winnable game i think they really wanted to have a, a lot of people there to i guess finally see them inducted and you know, they might have had it last year, but I think with COVID, they wanted to kind of wait until they actually had fans there. I think that's probably what we were, they were thinking. But Yeah, but what about yeah, the so, 20 years before that? I mean, yeah, your it's franchise has been around for a while. They should have had it for years. It's sad, but yeah, finally, I'm glad that they have it. I'm really glad to be a part of it. I'm super excited to see them officially unleash the Ring of Honor. Yes, live from Cincinnati. So you and I are both uh, on the Bengals train. We didn't really talk about the C.J. Henderson trade that much, but – like this is obviously a, a like a, a, a sunken cost for the Jaguars. Like this is a top ten pick that like within eighteen months is pretty much just gone now. But I thought they were going to get at least a second rounder, and they kind of compromised with a third and another pick and a player who's like at least a tight end now. But <sighs> given the Jaguars' track record of moves, I don't know if I trust them to get enough for C.J. Henderson. I mean, honestly, like, Dan Arnold isn't even going to be, like, their main, like, tight end weapon, right? Like, I don't see that being – I don't see him moving the needle really at all for this offense. And I, I could be wrong, but I don't see it happening at all. The Panthers had three tight ends that they liked. Tommy Tribble, the rookie, has been playing really, really well. They have Ian Thomas, who's their starter. So they really had no use for Dan Arnold, who's pretty much a wasted player right now. And, I mean, to be quite it's, it's a pick swap from a third to a fifth for a top – 15 player in the draft two years ago right like I mean that's unreal to think about um Henderson obviously needed a new place I think Urban Meyer said himself that he was just not really impressed with CJ Henderson and he didn't really like care for him that much and he never really played for Jacksonville anyways so I guess you can see from Jacksonville's perspective why they want to get rid of him but I feel like man if you just threw him in there let him play he could have done so much more for this team and I was really shocked that they just got rid of him so quickly uh definitely think the Panthers won that trade by a landslide 
Yeah, and Dan Arnold. Have there been three worse tight end rooms across the NFL in the last three years than the Cardinals, Panthers, and Jaguars? Like, those are the three teams Dan Arnold has played for now, which are just all terrible tight ends. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's, not a it's, great situation. The Bengals have been pr- pretty bad, too, but they got Uzama, who I guess is all right. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... They got a it's sample definitely... in there, right? And, yeah. Or is, uh, is Tyler Croft still there, right? Tyler yeah, Croft, uh, Eifert, Croft's... Uzama. <laughs> Croft's been gone for three years. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I, I know. I just, oh, I've okay. told this story. I've never gotten them yeah. right. It was like, for it was a running joke for years. I'd get the tight ends wrong. It's Eifert, Croft, <laughs> and Uzama. Just never yep. got them right which one was who. Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally, I totally get you. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely think between the Broncos, uh, Jaguars, and Cardinals, those, those are not Broncos. Uh, what was it? Panthers. What, what were we talking? Uh, Panthers. Panthers. Yes, Panthers. I was gonna say the uh, Panthers and Broncos are easy yeah. to mix up. Their their histories have been about the same for five years now. It's just been terrible quarterbacks, no playoffs. They've kind of been the same team for about five years. Hey, they're both three and zero. Might be turning around. Who knows? I definitely think yeah. Those two both teams yeah. Think about that. Both three and zero. They're both going to miss the playoffs this year. How about that? <laughs> these teams are these teams are quite similar, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You might not be wrong. Honestly, I can definitely see that too. I can, I can see them both going eight and nine. <laughs> I mean, it's just so many good teams. There's so many good teams at this point in the year. Like. If like if the Panthers were to make the playoffs, that would mean the 49ers aren't going to make the playoffs. I think the 49ers are way better than the Carolina Panthers right now. So I that's where I'm just like, there's just too many good teams that Carolina is going to be on the outside looking in. Same yeah. with Denver yeah. on the outside. Yeah, certainly possibility. You also have like the Vikings, the uh, yeah, the Vikings knocking on the door as well, if not the 49ers. So it's, it's going to be tough task for Carolina to be able to pull out there i think all right next game on here we got the browns taking on the vikings browns are two point favorites at minnesota Uh, minnesota really impressed me last week i believe i i took seattle to cover right and i said i I believe minnesota i was gonna go minnesota beforehand i took myself out of it and that killed me like absolutely killed me I don't want to make that mistake again, but I might. <laughs> I've been, I've missed on the Seahawks back to back weeks too. It's not been easy sledding right now. I, I definitely think the running game is going to be something to watch here. The Vikings have not been able to stop the run very well, and the, that's the Browns like you know bread and butter right now is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Joe Mixon had a big game against the Vikings. I can see them doing it again. Uh, it's still a pretty healthy Browns team. Miles Garrett can feast on his Vikings offense. Give me the Browns to cover. Panthers and Cowboys. The Cowboys are four-point favorites at home. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover here as well. Uh, the Panthers had a good three-week run, but it's going to end here. I am super impressed with the Cowboys roster right now. Trayvon Diggs looks fantastic. I like him a lot in the draft, and he's done really, really well so far for the Cowboys. Uh, I really like Michael Parsons as well. He's been a very, very good rookie. Probably the favorite right now for defensive rookie of the year in the NFC. Uh, I was really happy with how his performance has been. And I really like the idea of them just rotating those those four linebackers around. It has really worked out well for him so far. Um, Zach Prescott, like I said, comeback player. Now he's been really good. CD Lamb, Mark Cooper have been dominant. Look at tight end Dalton Schultz really improving. He's been another guy that's really kind of shown up out of nowhere and has done really, really well, even though Blake Jarwin's still taking a lot of snaps away from him. Really impressive for him. Zeke is finally back, and they finally have a pretty consistent running back 
uh, running back room right now between him and Tony Pollard. So, uh, yeah, Cowboys are going to win this game against Carolina, and I'll take him to cover. All right. Next up, we have the Seahawks and the 49ers. 49ers, three-point favorites at home. Maybe game of the week other than the other NFC West one between the Cardinals and Rams. Yeah. Yeah. it's a, it's and if you if you want to if you want to opt out of this one, Washington's a one point favorite against the Falcons. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, is it a cop out to switch? <laughs> no, it's never a cop out. You just have to be the person who picks Falcons or Lions games. That's just the punishment. I think it's too cruel. Actually, I think it. I think <laughs> it's not fair. I think I'm doing people too harsh if I'm making them pick Falcons and Lions games. Uh, All right. Uh, I'll stay with the 49ers against the Seahawks. Um, neither team really impressed me. Um, especially the Seahawks. They look pretty bad. Uh, it's at San Francisco, right? Am I, am yes. I saying that? It uh, is. And it's a three-point favorite, which if we say three points given to home team, it means Vegas views them equally. Yeah. Give me the Seahawks to win this game. Uh, and cover here. I think that they're going to pull it out and, and get the victory. Uh, I bet a, but I think they can bounce back and have a good game this week. I, I, I like I like Seattle to cover here, even though I think a lot of people are probably going to take the money line for the 49ers. See, I picked the Seahawks back-to-back weeks, and now I'm picking the 49ers this week. So we're going against each other in this one for pick-ems. We're, we're together on the Bengals, but we're against each other on the 49ers. And, uh, yeah, finally, we have... Texans and Bills. The Bills are 16-point favorites against the Texans. So are you feeling the Texans by a touchdown and a field goal? Man, uh, 16 and a half points is a lot. Anything over 14, I would never bet on in real life. It's not going to happen. I don't know how, how, how quickly the team will off the gas pedal. Yes. Davis Mills is going to be the quarterback, by the way. Just to note on the front end, it's going to be a Davis Mills game. Yeah. Um, man, I'm going to take the Bills to cover here, and I'm going to regret it. Uh, yeah, give me the Bills cover. You already I know it. Gonna, I, 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 if I had to predict a game, I'd probably say like 31 to 10, like my thought process. So, yeah, give me the Bills. I can't believe I'm doing that, but yeah. <laughs> you can't believe you're picking Buffalo with these 16 points or what is it? 16 and a half. One of the two. It's, it's tough. Um, you're the two, a guy. So before we go, we talked the dolphins a little bit last week, but do you feel affirmed that the dolphins have kind of failed to at this point? Like you said, they would last year and still the most passionate I've ever heard you on any topic. Yep. Uh, I think definitely. <laughs> uh, I totally agree. I mean, Hold on. I got to think about this real quick. Give me a minute. Um, can you repeat the question? I, I gotta... Well, do you feel like reaffirmed in the fact that the Dolphins have kind of failed yes. to at this point? And, and okay. this was the thing you said last year when they switched to Fitzpatrick. It was like, this feels like a mistake. Two is yeah. not ready to start. Fitzpatrick is rolling type of stuff. I, I do, but I don't think – I mean, I really don't blame the Dolphins for this injury. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can definitely – you know, it was just unfortunate that he got hit that hard. He's probably going to be out for a couple of weeks. I, I definitely think that sucks, but it's just a game injury. I don't blame the Dolphins for that. But, uh, you know, I, I almost feel like 
I don't like that Tua from the beginning should have just been offered in a trade for Deshaun Watson. And ideally, Deshaun Watson was a Dolphin right now and Tua was a, was a Texan. I think that would have worked out better. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that to a certain extent they have failed him. I, I really, I, I will say this, I say this once, I'll say it again. I really think Brian Flores is a very overrated head coach right now. I think a lot of people will give him a lot more credit than what he deserved. Uh, and I think that we're starting to see that now. And I think the Dolphins are headed for a pretty disappointing season. Uh, I don't trust their offense. And I really think Tua, I mean, Tua was just a guy that I think needed a lot more development. I think the Dolphins kind of threw him out there as a guy that they thought can win, help them win now. And that just was not the case at all. And you're going to see that continue until they're able to let him fully recover from his injuries and fully make sure in the how the NFL works, the playbook and everything like that before I would throw him out there. Uh, so, yeah, they have to wait. And I think they just, they threw him out there too early, and now his confidence is shot. He's hurt. It's just not going to work. So I think now you look towards trading him while his value is still high, in my opinion. I know it's a bold statement to say, but if you can still manage to pull Deshaun Watson, I would go for it. Do you think that the Colts are kind of in a similar type spot where they're headed towards disappointment and they could bench Carson Wentz to protect their pick? Because they, they play each other this week, but it feels like they're both in similar positions as franchises right now. Yeah, I think the Colts kind of have to play Carson Wentz for these next couple of games just to see where he goes. But they end up going like one and six or one and five, two and six, and somewhere like that. Yes, I would look towards starting Jacob Easton and just going and seeing what you have in him as well as trying to get that extra pick. Uh, and rather than you know trying to gather assets to trade for another player that's already in the league, I would definitely look towards the draft this time around. See if you can possibly get a guy like Sam Howell, Malik Willis, uh, Matt Coral, one of those guys to help rebuild your franchise. Oh, yeah, I forgot about college football this weekend. This is a good-ass weekend. By the way, uh, we found Will Fuller. We found Will Fuller, which we He's talked back. about at the end of the last podcast. Yes, caught the two-point conversion to send it to overtime. And I was like, oh, there's Will Fuller. We were wondering where he went. There is Will Fuller, that one two-point conversion to keep the Dolphins alive. Man, he fell off. So sad. Yeah, I know. We were joking about that last week. It, we yeah, ended no, the no. podcast. Now we're just waiting for Preston Williams. Now we just need to find Preston Williams, and we're gonna have we're gonna be vindicated from our podcast that we did last Friday. We've got Will Fuller. Now we just got to find Preston Williams somewhere. You know something really ironic that I just remembered just now after talking about this. I had a dream last night that the Bengals were working out Philip Dorsett. I don't know why or how, and it's the most randomest dream I've ever had in my life. Where is Philip Dorsett? Is he is he still in the Jaguars? <sighs> Philip Dorsett got cut by someone. I don't know where he. No, he got cut out of training camp. This is a good if who he played agent, for right now. If he's still a free agent, credit to me for actually like getting that right. Philip Dorsett, uh, is an American wide receiver who is a free agent. Wow! Look at me. Man, imagine the Bengals start like bringing Philip Dorsett in for a workout. That'd be like the craziest thing in my life. But yeah, I don't know why I had that dream. I was just like, man, Philip Dorsett. It's been a minute since I've heard his name. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's I, I was talking about like random players that you see like out of the blue, like Preston Williams. And you're like, hey, who's that yeah. guy? Yeah, uh, Alec Erickson happened to me in that Panthers Texans game. I was like, oh yeah, forgot about him. Former Bengal. I, yeah. I returned a bunch of kicks. I knew Kenyon Drake was a Raider, but after Josh Jacobs got hurt, I was like, oh, yeah, Kenyon Drake. Gruden gave him a bunch of money for some reason. Forgot he was a Raider. They also have uh, Peyton Barber down there, too. 
Uh, yeah, I know. Guy. He was on Washington, and then he got cut, and then, you know, the Raiders just were like, we need a running back. Here we go, Peyton Barber. Well, here's another one of those late 20s running backs that are all washed up. Let's just go get Peyton Barber at this point. And, and to think they could have still had Lynn Bowden. Have they not traded him? I just don't get that. It makes no sense to me. Why would you get rid of Gruden Lynn Bowden? did it twice. Yes. He traded a rookie without playing him twice. Well, who's the other guy? so strange. I don't know. I, I for, It happened this offseason. Like, they drafted him in, like, the, the fifth round and then traded him for a sixth-round pick or something. It happened twice. I don't know I don't know what the deal is with it, but Gruden's done it twice, or Mayock or whoever it is has done it twice now. So I I don't know what to do with it at this point. But if Philip Dorsett signs at the Bengals, that's going to be quite remarkable. That you, You're using the power of dreams in a really shitty way, but still, that's a, that's a great call down the road if Philip Dorsett ends up signing with the Bengals. Yeah, it, it would be sad if that's like the one thing that like brings me joy, just seeing Philip Dorsett going with the Bengals. That probably get one, one of my best wide receivers are hurt. So you get one wish upon a star, and your weird ass picks. Let Philip Dorsett sign with the Bengals. That's you. You obsess with the bottom guy at the roster so much that you're like, wish upon a star in my dreams. Please let the Bengals sign Philip Dorsett. <laughs> <laughs> That would be cool. I'll be back, be back on this podcast. Like, there's no way. I'm literally psychic. Like, I hope. No, that would be no. We would make a segment out of that. We would. You would have to start being psychic and start predicting things down the road more than you already do because you are a draft guy. So that's kind of your <laughs> whole thing. That is true. I'm, I'm already kind of a a uh, uh, psychic in a way. I like the, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so much. <laughs> so much for humility on that one. You're kind of a psychic already. Wow. Um, yeah. It's good to know. So. You can refer to me as the NFL sidekick now rather than the NFL draft analyst. I like that. All I like right. Both, our, but... Yes, our NFL sidekick. We have Blake Jude joining us <laughs> here on the podcast. Enjoy Cincinnati. You are going to get to cover an actual Bengals game on a Thursday night. And I'm excited. That's just kind of cool for you and cool for the Bengals fans that you guys have something fun to be excited about. So best of luck to you in Cincinnati. I appreciate it. Make sure you go check out my page, Shy Pipe Cincy. I might be doing some live streams, maybe doing some recordings like that down at the game. Hopefully, you can see some people. Uh, if you're going to the game, feel free. Uh, I, I'm gonna have. Uh, I might have my my Bengals uh, Shy Pipe Bengals merch on. We might see. Not too sure, but if you see me around, say hi. Uh, you can probably find my personal if you found my Instagram page. So it's pretty easy. Anyways, uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Find him. There are links in the description to this episode. You should click them. That's what you should do. So thank you again for episode number 71, where I was genuinely excited to talk Bengals football with you. And boy, that I don't think that's ever happened, except for that one time they got the number one pick and got to draft Joe Burrow. Other than that, rarely do I get this excited about Bengals football. First and only time it's ever going to happen, right? So I got to enjoy it while I can. <laughs> Give it time. Give it time. Maybe you guys will be better than the Steelers. Oh, did I say that? Or was that the thing that you guys were just like, don't jinx it? We might have a better record than the Steelers this year. Yeah. You didn't hear that. So, yeah. Forget that ever happened. We're, see, the, us Bengals fans do this thing where we just anti-jinx ourselves so much to the point where it actually works for us. So, if you're going to continue that trend up and just say we're going 4-10, and 10, we, we're 4-12 and 12, or 4-15, 13. I can't even... I can't do numbers right now. Four and 13, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, you guys are a broken franchise. I <laughs> I did. So 
on Wednesday, I did a, um, I did an oral history of the Detroit Lions as a podcast. I just going through this. I'm like, man, that is a broken franchise. That is just broken over decades of just knowing bad things are going to happen. And I'm seeing the same signs in you guys, maybe slightly less tortured, but still just looking up and being like, man, good things just don't happen to us. <laughs> it's very true and it's sad but oh well <laughs> celebrate the three and one while you have it it's gonna be a well did i just jinx that damn i might have just jinxed yeah, that we're victory. definitely going two and two now thanks yeah <laughs> yeah you guys if you guys lose to the jaguars it's gonna be like well we had four days we had four days to bask in the success and then it was immediately stripped away from us but you know no, knowing how this is going to happen we're going to we're going to lose to Jacksonville and then beat Green Bay that's what's going to happen and we're still going to be just as confused as what we were before <laughs> yeah because football it's like how the ravens like just the ravens could be 3 and 0 they could be 0 and 3 at this point it's just because football it's going to happen gotta, so got to love football yes especially when your team sucks and you have nothing to play for and then Von Bell can light up Juju Smith-Schuster and it's the greatest moment in 5 years in your franchise's history <laughs> That was it's not even not even the last five years. It's been an entire decade. Wow, that is depressing. Wow, um, that, that puts you guys at the bottom of the rung there. Not even those playoff games. Not even not even one of those playoff games felt good. We lost more all than of them, so. Not, yeah, not really. You no, know, won the division once or twice. You know, you had to feel a little something. Maybe maybe when you guys helped the Bills get into the playoffs. That, did that you know what. Good? That's probably the best contender, honestly. Between that and and the the hit with Von Von Bell, probably the best moment of the decade is probably between those two plays. I, w- I would maybe lean <laughs> towards the Bills just because of how happy they were. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's so cheesy. All of that is so cheesy. Enjoy the game. Enjoy enjoy your uh, wonderful Cincinnati Bengals playing to go to three and one. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.